You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. I'm going to be in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians tonight, if you'd turn there, please, and while you're turning to the book of 2 Corinthians, I just want to say how much of an honor and a privilege it is to be here at Eastside Baptist Church. I really love Eastside Baptist Church. I mean that. Uh, Eastside Baptist Church, uh, I can remember uh, years ago, the first time I ever came, I tried to sneak in at the old building because I had come to pick up my wife. This is back in 2002. Uh, and I was coming to pick up my wife from the airport after we moved to Pier to start a church there. And... Uh, I'm trying to remember what the deal, I think I forgot my church clothes, so I came in in my jeans and pullover that I had wore the, not the day before to drive over here to get my wife, uh, so I'm just like, I'm just going to sneak into church, but of course, Brother Spencer spotted me and pointed me out, and I've all just always remembered that, uh, but uh, Eastside has uh, just been a, 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 a used of God so greatly, and and, uh, and I, your pastor has had great influence on me, and uh, that goes back to Brother Spencer, and then God's given you this tremendous man of God and his dear family, just blesses my heart, and so I'm so thankful for Eastside Baptist Church and the work that God has done and is continuing to do, amen, just marching forward. In 2 Corinthians tonight, chapter number 12, this is a familiar passage to many of us and really a familiar predicament to many of us, quite honestly. I wonder how many of you have ever been overwhelmed. I wonder, maybe you're even sitting here tonight and if you were to be honest, you're really not okay. You know, I mean, you, you come into church and and, and praise God you're here and you're faithful uh, but, and, and you're trying to put on a brave face. But man, deep inside you're hurting tonight. Yeah. I think about this. Be, being overwhelmed, it happens. I think about crying out to God. Have you, have you ever called out to God and feel like maybe God didn't answer you? Or maybe you've prayed to God and you feel like God perhaps said no? Well, of course, we can identify with that, many of us, as the Apostle Paul had to deal with the exact same thing here in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. And I just want to read verses 7 through 9 tonight. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12, verses 7 through 9. The Bible says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. If I were to title tonight's message, I would entitle it, Weak Enough to Win. Weak Enough to Win. You know, we think oftentimes that we need to be strong when all the while God's trying to teach us how to be weak and, uh, and, and teach us the dependence we need to have upon him. The context, of course, for, for this passage is, I believe, goes back to Paul's experience in, in Lystra where he was stoned and drug out of the city and left for dead. I believe did die, uh, got a vision, a glimpse of heaven. God sent him a thorn in the flesh to humble him because of the abundance of the revelations. And I do find it interesting that Paul had to be humbled 
that he admits that, man, I would have been awfully full of myself if I were to be able to come back and tell you all that I saw and all the vision I had of heaven and so forth. But he had to be humbled before God Almighty after being stoned. You talk about having a hard time. You ever think, think about what it would be like to be stoned to death? You know, encircled by a group of people that are literally just picking up stones off the ground and chucking at them, chucking them at your head, chucking them at your body till literally the life is gone from you. That's what the Apostle Paul experienced. And then in addition to that, he's got a thorn in the flesh. So we find out in verse number 7 that Paul was overwhelmed. He needed something to keep him humble. See, and we don't know what it was, and people debate and talk about it, but I believe there's a reason that God never tells us expressly what it was. So that you and I could all identify with this thorn. You and I could identify with having something that is overwhelming us. Something that is hard for us. Something that was hurtful. Something that was humiliating. And honestly, it was sent to remind him of his utter immortality. I said this a moment ago, being weak enough to win. We think we need to be strong. And we get so mixed up sometimes because you and I, if we're not careful... We think of our strengths as our assets. And then we think of our weaknesses as our liabilities. And we boast often in our strengths, our flex. But when it comes to our weaknesses, we try to hide those, cover those up. We don't want anyone to know about those. But, what, but the truth of the matter is what God is trying to teach you and I through the things that we go through is that weakness is not the liability. Strength is the liability. Weakness is the strength. And so we go through what we go through. We go through difficulty. We face trials. We face and have a thorn perhaps in our flesh so that we might learn that The problem, so you say, well, preacher, I'm feeling really weak tonight. I got to be honest, I'm feeling really weak. Well, you know what? There's a good chance you might not be weak enough yet. That's encouraging, isn't it? Uh, But Paul was overwhelmed. He had a messenger of Satan. So he had a physical ailment. He had a thorn in his flesh. He also had a spiritual side to this. The Bible says the messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. And buffet, by the way, is punch. It's to hit with a closed fist. Paul was getting beat up. Anybody? Paul was being beat up. The messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. It was physical. It was spiritual. And how many of you know that sometimes these can intersect anyway? You're going through some physical difficulties. Maybe you're going through some emotional difficulties. And one kind of bleeds into the other. And they become a trial on both ends. Paul was overwhelmed. (laughs) So here Paul is, the messenger of Satan. He's getting beat down. He's hurt. He is having a difficult time. And so what does he do? He's overwhelmed. So he does the right thing. He goes to God. That's a smart thing to do. He's overwhelmed and he goes to the Lord. And that's a good place to go. And that's where we need to go. But not only was he overwhelmed, in verse 8 we see that he was also overruled. The Bible says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Uh, You know, I was 
thinking about this, I found it very interesting. You remember how many times Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thine be done? Wasn't it three times? Wasn't that interesting? Uh, and, and, And Paul three times goes and says, Lord, I'm getting beat down. I could use some help here. He goes once. All right. I know God's going to come through. But guess what? God doesn't come through. He goes again. I know God's going to come through this time. He knows I I can't handle this. He's going to come through for me. After all, I've devoted my life to him. I mean, I have committed to live for him. I've, I've done everything I'm trying to do is for the glory of God. I'm trying to live my life for the Lord. I mean, and here I am. Hey, surely he's going to answer me this time. And you know, I can't help but think about a, about, a, about a great illustration in the Bible that illustrates a little bit about this. Remember Mary, Martha, and Lazarus? And how that Lazarus had become ill, and, and, and so they'd called for Jesus. And if Jesus is going to help anybody, it's going to be Mary, and Martha, and Lazarus. I mean, these people are close, right? It's just like with Paul. If God's going to help anybody, it's going to be Paul. Uh, but uh, the, the Lord said, uh, well, just, uh, he, he told the messenger, he said, well, just tell him the sickness is not unto death, it's all good. All right. They prayed and asked the Lord to come. The Lord did not come. Matter of fact, the Lord waited around a while. What was he doing? It don't seem like much of anything. But he sure wasn't coming. See, Paul was overwhelmed, but he was also overruled. See, his petitions were overruled by God. And here's the thing we've got to know about our God. Our God makes no mistakes. Amen? Sometimes we get overruled. But I'm telling you, you've got to know today and remember how much God loves you. You all find something really interesting. How, have you ever noticed when you read the Bible that God calls us the children of God? You know, you ever notice that he never has called us the adults of God? <laughs> What, what would happen, what would happen if you had a child? What would happen if you had a child that you gave them everything they ever asked for? What would happen if you had a child that you tried to remove anything from their life that wasn't great for them? You know, some of you younger siblings would have never been born perhaps or, uh, or at least you wouldn't be in the home anymore if that were the case, right? I mean, but see, w- w- but children don't know what they need all the time. And a parent knows sometimes, nah, I know you think you want that, but you're not getting that. And I, and, and I know that you don't want this, but you're getting this anyway because you really need this. Um, we're, 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 oftentimes, we're just like petulant children and we're wondering, why is God not doing what I'm telling him to do? Paul was overruled. And now, can I just say right here that I've got, a, I've got serious issues with this doctrine that tries to teach that if you, you can just name it and claim it, right? And, and, and if, you, if you have enough faith, you can just pray and God's going to do what you say to do. God's going to send you healing. God's going to send you wealth. God's going to send you all these other things. Man, that, that just, I, I can't stand that garbage. Can you? The Apostle Paul three times, the Apostle Paul three times said, Lord, Will you do something? And I want to just, I, I do want to hasten to say this. I've already told you that our God knows best. Our God, believe it or not, knows better than you. Amen. One of the problems, and, and I know that comes as a shock to some of you, uh, but that one of the problems I got with that name and claim it crowd is it gives the idea that I know. I know what's best. I know what I need when I don't. But I act like I do. 
But see, I don't know. But God knows. God is an all-wise, omniscient God. God knows. But I want to tell you something else. God makes no mistakes. I've, what I'm telling you today, I've had to tell myself many times, God knows better than me. I've had to tell myself many times, not only does God know better than me, that God has never made a mistake and he's not starting with me. God has never forsaken somebody, woo, hallelujah, and he's not starting with me. You want to know something else? He loves you like crazy. He loves me like crazy. He that spared not his own son, how shall he not freely with him give you all things? Because when, when you've got a thorn and when you're overwhelmed and, and, and when you've been overwhelmed and now you've been overruled, you can begin to question the goodness of God. Yes. And, and you can maybe justifiably do it in, in your mind. You can say, well, no wonder, no wonder God doesn't want to bless me. No, no wonder God doesn't want to answer my prayer. Look at me. Look at how I felt. Look, it makes sense. It makes sense that God wouldn't want to answer my prayer. No, he loves you. And if you ever, ever doubt that, look at the cross. So I know he loves me. So, so Paul was overwhelmed, but he was overruled. There, there's a, there's a, I was mentioning John 11 earlier there about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. There's an interesting, uh, just a quick little phrase there when it talks about Mary, and Martha, and Lazarus. The Bible says that Jesus loved them in the early part of the chapter. He loves them. He loves them. But they were overruled. Why? Because God said, I've got something better. Isn't that exciting? So, so, so he says to Mary and Martha, hey, will you come heal Lazarus? You know, that's what they're saying to Jesus. Jesus says, no, 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 no. I got something better than that. Okay, okay Lord, what are you going to do instead? I, better than healing? Yeah, yeah, I got something better. What are you going to do? Oh, Lazarus is going to die. <laughs> oh. Now, you may not want to admit it, but there's times if we're not real careful that we can kind of wonder, Lord, what are you doing? How can this be right? The Lord says, I know what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to let Lazarus die. But I'm telling you right now, God has something better. Amen. So Paul was overwhelmed. Paul was overruled. And then also Paul was finally overjoyed. Notice what the Bible says there again in verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. <laughs> Let me tell you something today. I don't know what you may be overwhelmed about today. And I don't know what you may be overruled on today. But I'm telling you today, his grace is sufficient for you. I wish you would just mark in your Bible, memorize it if you haven't already, mark it down because God said, my grace is sufficient. For whatever you're going through, God wants to teach us that he is bigger, he is stronger, he is mightier than anything that we're going to face. Therefore, Paul ended up being overjoyed. Why? Because number one, God's grace was sent to him. God's matchless grace that came along with the affliction. His sufficient grace, moment by moment, that enabled Paul not only to bear the pain and the torment, but to accept it as a fact of his life. 
Oh, my friend, listen, we know the, the passage, Romans 8, 28, but it, but it starts off with two words that, that really catch my attention where the Bible says, and we know, I guess it's three words, and we know that all things work together for good. But you know what? I look around at God's people, including myself, and I wonder, man, can, do we, can we really say that whole verse? Because we don't act like we know that. See, and there's not too many of us, again, there's not too many of us that would stand up in this church today, I dare say, and would say, hey, Pastor, i got to stand up and say that I know more than the Lord. I know better than God. I don't think anybody would ever actually express that, but I'm telling you, people live that way. Too many of God's people live that way. Why? Because we don't understand why God hasn't removed something from our life. Or why God hasn't done something in our life that we expect him to do. And we live as if, as if God wasn't sufficient. We live as if we know better. We live as if he's not faithful. But he says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Years ago, I, I, I began saying this and, 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 and I believe it's, I believe it's uh, seen in the scripture. That not everything that happens in your life, in the world, not everything that happens is the will of God. But God has his will in everything that happens. Here's what I mean by that. I, I think specifically we could use a, a illustration after illustration, but one that really comes to mind is the life of Joseph. The life of Joseph. Now you, can tell, you cannot tell me it was God's will for his brothers to envy him. It's not the will of God. It's not the will of God for them to be, be envious of him. It certainly wasn't the will of God for them to conspire to kill him and end up throwing him in a pit and, and selling him to be a slave. It wasn't the will of God for Potiphar's wife to try to put the moves on him and then to lie on him and for him. That wasn't the will. Of, it wasn't God saying, yep, that's what I want you to do, lady. Or that's what I want you to do, brothers. See, but, but what, what do we know at the end of that story? So great, isn't it? It's the Old Testament, Romans 8, 28, that you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Yes, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, listen, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so through all of that, and by the way, it's one of, I love, I love reading the account of Joseph. And I love how the Bible says, but the Lord was with him. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Woo. Let me tell you something. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace will come to you. God's grace will carry you moment by moment. And I'm telling you, God was working the whole time. See, the thorn was not sent to destroy the Apostle Paul, but to develop the Apostle Paul. And it's the same thing with you. I don't know what you're facing today. And I, I wouldn't dare pretend as if, you know one of the things I think about sometimes, sometimes it can be easy for a person of strength to be in a place to where we tell somebody, for instance, they need to get over it. Have you ever thought that somebody's making a bigger deal about something in their life than they ought to? Once again, I go back to the children. I go back to the children. Yeah, You ever have any kids? I think about some of these boys. I don't know. Any of you boys ever have your brother hit you? Maybe your older brother, maybe an older sister hit you. And you're, oh, that hurt, oh my goodness. And, uh, and then, then what does that older brother or sister say? That don't hurt. <laughs> that didn't hurt. Well, how, who are you to say this didn't hurt? And I'm telling you, we've got to be real careful as God's people to look at people and say that don't hurt. Yep. That don't hurt. How do you know? How do you know it doesn't hurt? 
You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. Listen, listen, Paul was not meant to be destroyed but developed. It's the same thing with you. See, the grace of Almighty God will be sufficient. God will help you through your trial. He will help you through whatever it is. This thorn was something Paul had to carry the entire time. So God gave him his grace, but then also God gave him his power. He sent him his grace, he sent him his power. Oh my goodness, the matchless, magnificent grace of God, but also his power. Again, what did he say there? My strength, oh my goodness. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That word infirmities, it speaks of our weaknesses. I'm going to glory in my weaknesses. Why? So the power of God will show up and help me. Amen. Amen. I mean, listen, I'm telling you, I, I, started the, I started the message off this way. But I'm telling you, we've got to start being transparent with one another. We really do. We've got to start, you know, I understand that you ask people how they're doing and it's just something that we do. But I'm telling you, there needs to be, we need to be able to be, talk to each other and say, brother, I'm not doing good at all. Just got to be honest with you. Having a tough time. Struggling right now. Because uh, what happens if we're not careful? This happens in way too many churches. That to where people, again, everybody wants to act okay. So we're acting okay. And somebody else comes in hurt. Just like you're hurt, but you're acting okay. And then they come in and they're hurt. And they're thinking, oh, I guess everybody's just okay here. I guess I'm going to have to be okay. See? Now, and I'm not saying that we go around acting like we're in the molly grubs and, you know, and all that all the time. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying that we, could be, we ought to be honest with each other and say, man, the Lord's good, but I've got to tell you, I'm going through a tough time right now. Pray for me. Be, oh, see, because what happens, if we go around with a mask on and if we go around pretending like we're okay all the time, here's the problem. Number one, we can't really get help that way because we're not being vulnerable. We're not being honest. We're not saying that I'm struggling. We're not, and then, so not only does it mean that we can't get help, but it also means that we can't help others. We've got to be willing to say, man, I need some help. Pray for me. Pray for me. I'm struggling right now. Pray for me. I'm, I'm, I'm battling with some things in my life right now. He learned to glory in his weaknesses. We've got to try to act all strong and spiritual, but we've got to remember that our flesh is still not saved. Did you know that? Uh, our, our flesh isn't saved. The Bible says to die to the flesh, but our flesh is still wicked as it's ever been. It's still as weak as it's ever been. And I'm telling you, I look at that and I just say, man, thank God. Because if it was up to me in my flesh, I'd hate to think I'd be living. God, my flesh is wicked and terrible and everything else, but God, that's why I've got to lean on you. I've got all kinds of infirmities. Now, we know the infirmities he's talking about speak more of his health and everything, but he's still saying in general to glory in our infirmities. I love what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15, where, where the Bible talks about how that, that he's touched. We have a great high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. The power of God. See, his grace was sufficient. I I love, again, the the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. When he did show up, you know what he did? I love what he did. He wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. One of my favorite verses, Jesus wept. Why? Because he didn't show up and saying, oh my gosh. After all I've done for you people, she's got an attitude. 
She didn't even come out to see me. He didn't do that at all. He was patient. He was merciful. He wept. I love that. He didn't cry. He didn't water up, mist up a little bit. He wept. And you know, then there's been the long debate. Well, why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus weep? I believe the answer is clear. I believe he wept because he was touched with the feeling of their infirmities. He already knew he was going to raise Lazarus up. He knew all that. He knew that in, in moments he was going to work a miracle. But he still paused to be brokenhearted with them. Man, you talk about a Savior. Yeah, <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and you know what he said? You know what he had to say though before he could work that miracle? He said, roll ye away the stone. Some of us, I'm talking about God's power now, that his power might be manifest. Some of us need to roll away some stones of pride, some stones of bitterness. We need to roll some of these things away that the power of God may rest upon me. Oh, my friend, listen, we need to understand how that God identifies himself with our obedient weakness. You know, a lot of times your problem, you know what your problem might be tonight? Your problem may be that you're still trying rather than trusting. Yes. Talking about God's power. You know one of the things that a lifeguard is taught, or at least used to be? You see a person out there that's beginning to drown, and they're totally freaking out, and their arms are waving, and, and they're punching and kicking and screaming and carrying on. You know what you're supposed to do to that person? Leave them alone for a little bit. Because as a lifeguard, if, if they've still got that much energy, you know what may just happen to you? They may just bring you down with them. Because that's what they teach a lifeguard. You, they, they, you, let, you, get, you better let them wear themselves out before you get too close. You're going to get hit in the face. You're going to get dragged down. Now, God, there's no threat of God getting dragged down. But I want to say this. Some of us need to learn to quit, quit kicking and screaming and carrying on and just say, okay, Lord, I'm trusting you. I'm surrendering to you. God, I'm trusting in your arms and in your power. The power of God. See, if, if we're not careful, we can rely on our own strength. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20 verse 15, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Zechariah 4, 6, this is the word of the Lord saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. God, God, God's trying to get us to understand we're already weak. And aren't we something? I wonder if there's anybody in here, and I say that almost facetiously, who doesn't want to bother God about the small things. Doesn't want to bother God about the small things. Let me let you in on a little secret. You know you've never brought a big thing to God. You've never brought something to God to where God's like, whoo, let's try to figure this one out here. The greatest thing, I, I remember years ago, it, it, was, it, was a, it was kind of a cool moment in, in our church, uh, in Elk Point Baptist Church. My, my daughter, Natalie, the youngest, was just a, a small uh, child at the time, and she had lost her hermit crab, Shelly. And uh, she had come to church, and on Wednesday night, she, raised, she lifted up her hand, and she said, pray for Shelly. I want to find, pray for my hermit crab. Now, you better believe I wasn't up there saying, you know, honey, are you serious right now? Do you believe God cared about her hermit crab? You know why God cared about her hermit crab? Because she cared about her hermit crab. It meant something to her. And, 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 and there was a fellow come up to me in the church, and he said, uh, he said brother, he said, uh, 
what did that hermit crab look like? I know they kind of look the same. I'll go buy her one. And, we'll, and I was like, no, brother. I said, I don't want that. I said, let's just pray about it. Let's just pray about it. Several weeks went by, and Shelly goes, my, my daughter's sitting in the dining room doing school, and there goes Shelly across the floor right there. That's something. Now you say, well, that's something awfully small and silly. But you know, you know as well as I know, there's people that would get upset if somebody actually prayed for a hermit crab in church. Because that's so small, that's so silly, that's so insignificant. It's, that's no more small or insignificant than anything we bring. Now, and, and I'm not, now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm telling you here. I'm just telling you God's bigger. That's what I'm trying to say, all right? And so, uh, so, so as, as we go on here, God's power, amen. I think about Gideon. Gideon had to face an army of 32,000 uh, Midianites. And so he got an army. Uh, I'm sorry, he, he, uh, an army of 132,000 Midianites. He, Gideon gathered an army of 32,000, and God said, that's too much. That's too much. You ever watch The Price is Right? There's that game, that's too much. Some of you are too cool for that. The army got down to 10,000, and God said, that's too much. Finally, the army got down to 300, and God says, now that's numbers we can, that's what I like. Let 300 against 132,000, that's more like it. See, God wants you to get down to a place where you're counting on him and not yourself. God's grace was sent to him. God's grace was seized by him. Paul learned that while he didn't have power to overcome the thorn, I'll say that again. He did not have power to overcome the thorn that God did. Amen. God did. God wants to work through your weakness. God has the strength. Your, again, your weakness is not a liability. It's an asset. God's grace was seized by the Apostle Paul. God wanted, Paul, here's what Paul wanted. God, I want you to answer this prayer so that you can be glorified in my life. God said, no, I'm not going to answer that prayer so I can be glorified in your life. God knows better. The thorn is designed to destroy pride, develop prayer, display power, and determine pleasure. Notice what the power of God, the way it manifested in his life, and we'll be trying to wrap up after this. Verse number 9, the Bible says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's how God's grace manifested in his life. Number one, he became a praising man. A praising man. We, we, we do this thing to where, man, uh, Lord, if you do this, we'll praise you. If you answer this prayer, we'll praise you. Well, what if he don't? How many of you said, man, God was good and did this for me? Does that mean God was bad if he didn't do it? We got some learning to do, don't we? <laughs> we all do. But Paul, Paul became a praising man. Most of us go around wailing our infirmities. We make them excuse, an excuse not to do anything. Or we allow ourselves to become embittered against God because of them. Or we use them as weapons to victimize other people in order to get sympathy. Uh, I mean, you think about this. What Paul did, he learned to gladly accept it. Can you imagine actually learning to praise God through your trials, through your pain? It's possible. God's grace is sufficient. God's power is able he became a praising man. If you praise, let me tell you something. If, if you only praise God when everything's going good, 
Ain't no wonder you're not praising God very much. You ever look up at Brother Jet and say, my goodness, I guess he doesn't ever have any problems. Have you met Doug Hendricks? He goes here, so he's got, he's got one. He's got a Ruckman still hanging around, so he's got that. It's not easy. Uh, but no, really. Pastor, man, he's always up there. He's praising the Lord, and he's singing. He always sings. Listen, he's not praising God because everything's always good. And I want to tell you something else. He's not praising God because he's always good. He's praising God because God's good and he's worthy. Amen. Amen? And you say, uh, so, so whatever it is you're going through, I would never belittle it, but I want to tell you that you can become a praising man like the Apostle Paul, a praising woman. Not only that, but he became a prevailing man. Notice what he said there in verses 9 and 10. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. Notice verse 10. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then I am strong. So we see that he became a prevailing man. He, he imitates the source of power, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Listen, Jesus is the power, not us. Jesus is the source of power. The source of power is Christ, the scope of his power is this, it enabled him to overcome pain. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Taking pleasure means to delight or to enjoy. He said, therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities. He had a power that enabled him to overcome pain. He had power that enabled him to overcome provocations. He said, I take pleasure in reproaches. Those are insults. He had power, was given power to overcome privations. In other words, he said, I take pleasure in necessities. Paul went without food oftentimes. He went without a change of clothes oftentimes. God gave him power to overcome persecutions. He said, I take pleasure in persecutions. He, gave, he had power to overcome problems. I take pleasure in distresses. What's the secret of the power? The secret of the power is when I am weak, then I'm strong. That's why your weakness is an asset. Because when you're weak, then you're strong. I got to close with just a, an illustration or two here. And I appreciate your patience, Brother Shirley. God bless you. Y'all pray for him. He did it. But uh, I'm sorry to pick on you, brother. I just got a kick out of that when you said that. But uh, I, I, I've got to think about a couple of illustrations. Number one, trusting that God knows what's right. You know, it's hard. But, but I, I, I want to give you at least one, maybe two illustrations here, just closing quickly. I remember uh, years ago, I, was, I mentioned my youngest earlier, when my wife was uh, still pregnant with Natalie. Um, we knew Molly then. I see Molly back there. She was in her church in Pier. And, uh, but there was two chambers of Molly's heart not Molly's heart, of Natalie's heart that hadn't developed. And she was fairly far along. I mean, it was a serious situation there. And so we were, they sent us over here to Sioux Falls to see a specialist and everything, see what was going on. Pretty scary thing when you hear that your, you know, your baby's heart is only half formed. Uh, this is a life or death type situation. And so we're obviously praying about this thing. Lord, thy will be done. But God gave me a verse during that time that literally I've carried with me ever since that time, which has been almost 15 years. I guess it's probably been 15 years now. It was in between a conversation between Abraham and God in Genesis 18, I believe, and there was a question, a, a rhetorical question proposed. 
Will not the judge of all the earth do right? That's a good question to ask yourself. And I asked myself that question. I said, you know what? He is going to do right. What's that going to be? I don't know. I don't know. Now, in this case, it happened to be right that we got here. Her heart was fine, and that's wonderful. God's good. But did you know if it was the other way around, God still would have been good? Because you know why? The judge of the earth will always do right. God will always do right by you. You mark it down, you remember it. I started out with this, but in Romans 8, it says, He that spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The thing I try to remind myself of almost daily is that God is too wise to make a mistake. He's too powerful for something to come. See, the Bible says he was a messenger of Satan was sent to him. You know Satan can't get within 10 miles of you without God's permission? Somebody says, well, the devil's fighting me. Well, you know how that's happening, don't you? <laughs> God had to allow it. But, but God's too powerful to ever be overcome by Satan or evil. So he's too wise to ever make a mistake. He's too powerful to be overcome. And he loves me way too much to ever do me wrong. Therefore, his grace is sufficient. Amen. Let's all stand today. Lord, help us to be weak enough to win. Help us, God, not to glory in our strengths, but learn to glory in our weaknesses. Help us to realize that our strength is the liability. God, and our weakness is the blessing because that's where we can have your power show up in our lives because your strength is made perfect in weakness. We thank you and bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.